You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. One of the oldest questions of humanity is, where is God in, in all this pain and suffering? Now, uh, just to kind of lighten things up a little bit, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about maybe some of the questions. There's a lot of questions that are hard to answer. Um, and, and there's just some questions that, that may never be answered. And so uh, some of those unanswered questions uh, might be, um, why say an alarm clock is going off when it's really coming on? Um, another unanswered question is, uh, why do we, you've heard this one, why do we drive on a parkway and park on a driveway? Um, why say I slept like a baby when we all know the babies uh, wake up about every two hours? Uh, what we want to do is not sleep like a baby. Or uh, here's a big question is, if you throw a cat out of moving car, is that called kitty litter? Uh, I just, unanswerable questions, uh, which reminds me of the book of Habakkuk. Everybody say Habakkuk. It's one of those books that, that uh, maybe you've never heard of before, and, and uh, it's one of those hard ones to pronounce. If you want to, when I hear it, I think maybe like when a cat is like hacking up a, a hairball. Habakkuk. So everybody say Habakkuk one more time. Habakkuk. And it's actually the name of a person. It's the name of a prophet. And he was uh, asking God a very driving question, and it's a, it's a tiny little book in the New Testament, about four pages long. It's three chapters, and you could, you could read it easily in about 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes. But what we're going to do is we're going to spend uh, three weeks on three chapters. We're going to dissect and dive in to each chapter verse by verse and kind of see what his big issue was with God. Actually, he's one of the few prophets in the entire uh, Old Testament that pushes back against God. He, he is uh, he's one that is unhappy with God's uh, declaration and situation and what he de uh, demands and commands. So the big question of Habakkuk is, God, why are you unfair? Why does God seem unfair? Where are you, God? It's hard to believe that God is good when life around you is not so good. And so he's asking a very difficult question. Now, maybe you've asked this question also before. God, if you're there, um, why is, is there so much pain right now? Why are you not doing anything about the wickedness that's going on around me? This kind of questioning, by the way, it doesn't bother God. God is big enough to handle this very issue. In fact, there's a, there's a whole... Um, a base of theology that is based upon this topic, and it's called theodicy. And what that means is the study of God's justice. That means if God is just and good, why is there pain and suffering? That whole section of theodicy is like one of the age-old questions of the universe. In fact, the oldest book in the Bible is not Genesis. The one book that was written before Genesis was written was a book called Job. And Job deals with just this issue of pain and suffering and why it happens and, and 
And it's a challenging, super long book to read. And it is like reading Macbeth. And people are talking for like chapters and chapters at a time with these long speeches. So it can be hard to follow. But the issue of Job is, God, I'm hurting. Where are you? So this is something that has been dealt with for thousands and thousands of years and something we're dealing with today. And God's not afraid of this question. And when you read Habakkuk, it's like reading someone's personal journal. Anybody here keep a journal? Anybody here keep a journal? It's very, uh, some of you do, it's a very millennial thing to do. <laughs> Most young adults I know have a journal of some kind, um, which I think is pretty cool. Some we all kind of wish we did more of. Um, but when we dive into Habakkuk, it's like we're reading his journal to God. It's like his personal comments, a prophet during a difficult time for Israel. Now, Habakkuk had some contemporaries, guys that were alive during his time, and one of them is Jeremiah. So if you're reading like Habakkuk and Jeremiah, uh, uh, Daniel later on probably knew and heard of Habakkuk um, because they were all within one generation. And so this was the time. Uh, Habakkuk was in Israel during a time when they were starting to stray from God. And, and they were just wandering away from God, and, and Habakkuk was just frustrated with society. He was looking at, at the evil in his culture. He was looking at, at how people were succeeding even in their evil and wicked life. It's like, God, it doesn't make any sense. How is it that these wicked people can be so successful? Are you not just? Are you not good? Not only are they successful, but they're doing evil and wicked things to others and on others, and, and they're still successful. So he's angry, he's frustrated, and, and, and God is, is seeing the situation in Israel, and he's about to respond to Habakkuk, and Habakkuk doesn't like the answer. So let's kind of take a look at the first couple of verses for a second, uh, or verse two and three, we'll go back to one. And this is the question, verse 2, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Does that sound familiar to anybody? God, how long do I have to pray this prayer? How long do I have to ask for your help? God, how long? And it seems like you're doing nothing. I don't even know if you're listening or cry out to you. And he says, violence. He said, man, there's so much violence and wickedness and going on around me. But you do not save. You don't do anything. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Why does God allow the injustice, the evil? Why the violence? God, why the pain? Why does evil seem to win? Now, fast forward to today, and we're still asking that exact same question. Uh, this theodicy or, or uh, the, the study of God's justice, uh, God, why do you uh, allow evil people to prosper, but good people seem to constantly be in struggle or in failure or in uh, oppression or in poverty? Why is it that that kiss-up-it jerk gets promoted, and when I'm doing everything right and, and serving, I never get remembered for the opportunities? How can evil people, evil people live to be 102, but my Christian father dies at 52? 
God, why is it that we can raise our kids according to your word, but are messed up, but yet kids who did not grow up in a Christian home are now serving you? God, it doesn't make sense. How come I try to do what your word says financially and I'm not blessed, and someone spending their money crazy and and recklessly and not giving anything have plenty of money? God, how can some pray and you seem to answer their prayers, but I pray and pray and pray and never have my prayers answered? God, why do my headaches never go away? Why does my depression never go away? God, why is my chronic pain such a burden that I pray for to be relieved of and it never goes away? God, how is it that someone can fight and beat cancer and then it come back and take their life? How can someone I love go through so much pain? God, if you can do something but you don't, why? This is the question that Habakkuk asks. Now, Habakkuk was incredibly in love with God. He was one of the good guys. He had, a, he had a great faith in God. He was rich in faith, but he crashed head on into a faith wall. And he was at a turning point in his life of what he was going to do about this pain. Things he saw didn't line up with the things that he believed. So let's do a little bit more uh, background check on Habakkuk for a minute. Uh, there are what are known as the major prophets and the minor prophets in the Old Testament. And now the, the minor prophets aren't less important. Minor prophet just means they're smaller. You might have a major prophet like Elijah uh, and, and, or Isaiah, and Isaiah has a really long letter, while Habakkuk has a small letter. Right? That's major in size, minor in size. It doesn't, these are minor sized prophets with a major message. And there's 12 minor prophets in the Old Testament. That means 12 little prophet books, but not little prophets, just small in size. And of the 12, we know less about Habakkuk than any of the other prophets in the Old Testament. What we do know about Habakkuk, and this is interesting, Habakkuk was a temple musician who became a priest and then became a prophet. So we know that about Habakkuk and that is all, which is very interesting because you have someone who's, who's easily expresses himself. That's that musician part who knows a lot about God. That's that priest part and, and has a deep connection with God. And that's that prophet part. So he, he is someone who we can trust to, to express and to, to hear from. And if you wonder what a prophet is, in the Old Testament, basically is someone who would speak on behalf of God to the people. And they would often speak with a, thus says the Lord uh, um, attitude, like this is what God is saying. And it was very relevant words. And this was written about 600 years before Jesus. So if you want to think about how old that was, you know, it's about 2,600 years ago, Habakkuk sits down to write this in his journal. People are growing corrupt, but yet they were still prospering, a lot like today. And Habakkuk asked God, um, what is up? And he gets a very disturbing answer from God. This is not a sitcom sermon. You guys like sitcoms? 
I like, nobody likes sitcoms. Those are 30, those are 20 minute, 25 minute shows, right? And some of you guys can binge watch a whole series of The Office or Parks and Rec or fill in the blank of what your favorite sitcom is. Sitcoms are kind of interesting because you get a 22, 24 minute show with some conflict, a serious story or a lighthearted story. And within 25 minutes, it's all wrapped up. And people love the sitcom sermons. They love the sermons. They kind of come in, give a little conflict, have some laughs, and then they wrap it up in a nice little bow. Have a great week. See you next week. Well, this is not a sitcom sermon. This is not a sitcom message. This does not have a happy ending today, and it can't get wrapped up in, in a day or a week or a month or three months or three years or your whole life. What we talk about today and over the next few weeks is anything but easy to accept. You won't get this with Habakkuk. You get the opposite. You get unresolved tension, unanswered questions, lots of drama, just like life. So let's begin with this. Habakkuk, his name means to embrace and to wrestle, which is important. I need, I need an example. Uh, I need Sam. You're here in the front row, so I'm going to have you come up. This is, I'm, just so that you know, heads up, I'm going to embrace you. <laughs> come on up here. All right. This is what Habakkuk means. Now, I, I took wrestling. Uh, we're not going to wrestle. Uh, <laughs> I, I would win. Um, just kidding. <laughs> Sam might win. He's, he's pretty tough, man. He's, he's tougher than you might realize. Um, he, you should hear his testimony sometime, for real. It's like pretty amazing. Um, but Habakkuk means to embrace and, if, and to wrestle. And, and it's not just like, hey, love you, man, embrace. That's not what the word embrace here means. That's why it says embrace and to wrestle. The idea is that when you're wrestling, um, which we're not going to wrestle, but just say uh, we were, when you do professional wrestling, you get down on your, on your knees, but let's say, you know, let's do this like, like fake wrestling, you know, where they like that, right? And you're like, you're just trying to, whoever can get the upper hand to begin to take someone down, but you're not letting go, man. You're, because the second you let your guard down or let up, what's going to happen? You're taken down, right? So this is Habakkuk literally means this, like brace yourself. This is what Habakkuk means. Embrace and wrestle. Go! <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I just peeked out the mic. Uh, just go. All right, thanks, man. And so I want you to, every time we hear his name, I want you to imagine embrace and wrestle. There's this, there's this sense in Habakkuk that that is exactly what he is doing. He is going to... Uh, handle some issues that are going to be hard unless we embrace them and wrestle with them. We're going to come back to that. So let's dive in. Habakkuk 1, verse 1 says this. It says, the prophecy, by the way, the word there is Massah, which means the doom. It means an utterance of doom, a burden. All right, so he's, this is the doom. This is the down, this is the, this is the bummer of a message from God, right? This is the, this is the Massah, the Habakkuk, the prophet received. God gave Habakkuk a burdensome message and he didn't like what God gave him. And he's the only, the only prophet of the minors to ever argue with God, all right? And this little tiny four page, three chapter, this is it. He says, how long, O Lord, must I call for help, 
but you do not listen, or cry out to you violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. God, how could you let that drunk driver on his third offense kill that third grader? God, how? Why allow a girl who's promiscuous, who keeps getting pregnant and keeps getting abortions, but yet I just want to have one baby, God, and I can't just have one baby? Or a shooter that kills four, then takes his life. God, where's the justice? Or terrorism, or that gunman that walks in to a school, or an arena, or a concert, or a church, because there's no safe place anymore now. God, why? There's so much corruption, government corruption, political corruption, local, and not just federal, but global. God, why is there so much corruption? Where are you? How long will you do nothing? This is what Habakkuk is saying. Therefore, verse 4, the law is paralyzed. And justice never prevails. God, your word means nothing. That's when it says the law is paralyzed. That means, God, your word is, is, is doing nothing. And, and yet, justice is winning. I'm sorry, injustice is winning. He said, the wicked him in the righteous. That means him in means surrounds. Man, the wicked, they're just surrounding the righteous, the few of us. So that justice is perverted. The word perverted means twisted. He says, man, even justice that is apparently happening is all twisted. It's perverted. It's wicked. So Habakkuk has four major problems. We're going to give you three, and then I'm going to give you one uh, just before we go, one more. And, and these are the, the three of the four. God, you don't seem to care. You see all this, and it appears that you don't care. Number two, God, you aren't doing much when you could. I know you can. God, you're all powerful. I believe in you. But where are you? And the third problem is, God, what you are doing it just doesn't seem to be fair. And it's going to seem even more unfair when God gives his answer to Habakkuk. In other words, God, if I were you, I would do things totally different. Maybe you feel that way right now. God, I would totally do things different than you right now. Honestly, uh, I think many of us have thought that. If God is going to, to do something, then, then he better do it now. And you think, God... Are you going to punish me for feeling that way? Maybe you feel bad, like you can't question God. And that you can't, you know, have these angry feelings and these deep questions. Is it appropriate to question him? I think it is an important part of our faith journey to question God. All right? And this is what's important. This is what Habakkuk really teaches us is that I think it's important. There are times when questioning God can have a significant part in our faith journey. Think about this. If you've ever read the Psalms in the Bible, it's people crying out in pain, asking God, what's going on? God, are you going to help? But I still don't see it, but I'm still going to trust. That's almost half of the Psalms. Or maybe you read Job and, and his frustration with God in the midst of his pain and suffering, but yet his faithfulness to never walk away. Or lamentations uh, in the Bible, which comes from the word lament, which means to cry. The whole book is, is lamenting, is crying, is complaining, it's frustrating. 
united with God. Godly people crying out, God have mercy. I don't understand what's going on. This is part of the process of our faith journey. And never be afraid to be afraid. Never be afraid to be frustrated. So many are afraid to ask sincere questions, and I would argue that without asking them, it often breeds greater confusion and makes your faith shaky and unreliable. So what do you do when you see with your eyes is so different than what you believe in your heart? Well, this is the foundation of what Habakkuk is all about. Habakkuk lays out a, a, a theory called the dip, and I think this is a very biblical thing, and it was uh, uh, laid out in a book by Seth Golden called The Dip, but we're going to take a look at a slightly different version of it. So let's take a look at how the dip works. Here's the starting point. The starting point is before you know Jesus. Okay, just life, you know, questions, you know, trouble, whatever. Maybe you've had a good life and you just have had questions or maybe you've had a rough life and you have a lot of questions. But the starting point is when you say yes to Jesus. And it's kind of neat when you give your life to Jesus because it's like, man, it's like like the, the stars are brighter and the colors are more colorful. And, and it's like, uh, you know, it's, you're on this like spiritual high. The Bible's like coming alive maybe for the first time and everything is just so clear and you, you can't wait to get to church. And it seems like every message is, is somebody reading your private journals and, and you feel like, man, this is so powerful. And you get in the car and it's like, man, that's my favorite song. And man, every time you get in, it's a song that's just so good. And you, you go to the store, there's a parking spot up front. God, thank you, God. It's like everything is just going right on and you're hearing him and you're waking up and you're praying. It's like, man, things are awesome. God, you're so good. That is kind of where we would like to stay, but it's not where we often stay. It's like, God, man, spiritual high. And then all of a sudden, here's the next one. Before long, you hit this place where uh, you go to church and the sermon doesn't quite connect with you. And that song that you like is never on the radio. And um, you start praying for things, and the opposite begins to happen than what you pray for. And you start being really frustrated with what's going on. And then one day you wake up, and, and someone who you love is very sick, and, um, and it doesn't get better. And, and someone that you, or that someone you care about gets in a, in a tragic accident. And, and, and you, all of a sudden you hit this, this crisis of faith, you hit this wall of faith and you're like, God, I just, I don't know if this is legit or not anymore. And there's three responses to this crisis of faith. And the three responses are, are kind of where we end up uh, going in this crisis of faith. Um, what do you do? Well, the first one is some people, they will deny reality and they will just fake it. And they're like, they just try to be positive. How you doing? You're sick as a dog. Someone you love is sick. You're struggling inside. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Just doing great. Being positive, singing the songs, playing the game, coming to church, but nothing's connecting. You're hollow inside. Got great motions, but you think if you fake it, you're going to make it. Just push through until you get a breakthrough, right? Just kind of, you know, just get out there and live in denial. Don't let anyone see you weak, struggle, or have this, this depression or concern or struggle in faith. That's where a lot of churches kind of give this impression. Don't ever doubt. Don't ever say anything negative. Just be positive and, and it'll all be fixed. 
fixed. I'll be right. And, and, and but the Bible is filled with this confrontation of reality that we must embrace. So don't be fake about it. But a lot of people, they live in denial and they just try to fake it and you think everything's fine, but it's really not. And then some people, they get mad and they just give up and they go back to their old life before Christ. And they're you know what? This is all fake. It's all a sham. It might work for you, but apparently it's not working for me. And so you go back. But then there's a third option. And the third option is, is to press through. And this is the next one. Go to the next one. The next one is you hold on and you just press through. And this is known as the dip. All right. God, I'm, uh, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hold on, and I'm going to trust you. And you press through, and it may not get better for a while. In fact, it may get more painful as you see that, that downward dip. It may continue to get more painful. But if you stick it out with God, no matter what, if you hold on to him, he's going to take you Go to that next one. He's going to take you to a new place of growth and intimacy with God. If you'll just press through and you'll have a greater intimacy with God than you've ever dreamed of. If you're willing to go through a season of pressure and doubt. In fact, the most intimate with God all have one thing in common. They've all gone through the valley or they've gone through valleys. There's more valleys than mountaintops, by the way. And the mountains look most beautiful from the valley. And the valley is where we find our strength and our fortitude. And I like this, what the New Testament says. Uh, James says this, the half-brother of Jesus in James 1, verse 2, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, that's, that's that dip. That's that crisis of faith in that dip. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And that's that dip. And then let that perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And that's your growth and a new spiritual high, which then again will begin a new dip. And each time it goes down, there's a new season of growth a new season of, of, of challenge. And each time we have to decide, are we going to press through? Or are we going to give up? God in his loving sovereignty allows hardship because it helps us to grow, mature, and ultimately will bless us if we will embrace it and wrestle with it. This is what Habakkuk is all about. Here's my example. You know, I... I uh, I've had some pretty painful moments in my life. I grew up um, in a pretty dysfunctional home. Uh, we moved uh, nearly every year of my life. Uh, when I was in kindergarten, I think we moved uh, seven times in one year. Uh, went to uh, almost a different school every year. Went to three different high schools, and that was it was a, a blessing to be able to go to the same school for my junior and senior year. And I begged my mom just not to move again, just so that I could finish out my school year. Uh, and I, I grew up with a mom that got married and divorced, and married and divorced, and married and divorced. And and uh, I had seasons where I had abusive uh, stepfathers that would uh, uh, abuse us physically, mentally, emotionally, and. Um, that's a whole nother series of events that 
that uh, I've sh maybe shared with some of you before. Uh, there's been child abuse in my life uh, upon me. Uh, lots of separation. A dad that was never present. There were seasons in our life where we were poor, living out of a car and homeless. Uh, dealt with a lot of depression and anxiety in my life. Uh, and, and as I got older, uh, the death of close friends and, and family. And, and uh, God uh, just worked in my life through all those seasons. And, and, and man, I'm like, I gave my life to Christ and I be, went to Bible school and, and it seems like I did everything right, you know, and, and I got married and, and I went into ministry and I, I, I don't drink and I never got high. And while my brother, uh, who was a drug addict and uh, he, he's dead, he died at, at 42 years old uh, as, as a his life choices just got to him. And, and I think, God, man, I, I, I'm the good kid. And then I go to the doctor and I get these. And, and these are my PET scans. Uh, and I don't know how to read them. I don't know if you could see through them at all. But um, these are PET scans and, and MRIs. And there's a whole bunch in here of different things going on with me and in my life. And uh, I got these exams and, and, uh, and they told me that I had cancer. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. I did everything right. And by the way, when I had cancer, my brother had cancer at the same time. He had throat and lung cancer and, and I had Hodgkin's lymphoma. And the last picture I had of him was both of us bald heads on chemotherapy. And uh, that's, that's our last picture together. Um, and, and I thought, God, he's the one who's living his choices. And man, how is this living my choices? God, I, I went through pain and suffering and trials and, and did things right. I'm a good person. But yet I get these, you know. And, and I learned that it's okay to question. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to doubt. And through the questions and through the prayer and through reading God's word and through talking and through listening and through research and through trusting, I became stronger in my faith and I'm unmovable. I believe it. I am unmovable. And some of you are in chapter one right now and you've got the exam or you have the report or you got the letter in the mail or you got the notice or you have the breakup, or you have that, that tragic event. And, and this could be possibly the most important part of your faith journey. Too many people walk away in chapter one. And chapter one is all about the wondering. God, I'm wondering where you are. Where you are and what are you doing? And this is at the heart of what God says to Habakkuk. And again, Habakkuk asked the questions, God answered, but it was not the answer he wanted to hear. And this might be the answer that God has given you, and it may not be the answer you want to hear either. But this is what he says. Again, this is the, we want to read it in the context of Habakkuk's life and then understand the principle that it relates to, all right? So know that this word is not a word to you. It's a word to Habakkuk. And then we're going to find out about God's character. This is what he says. God says, where, Habakkuk says, where are you, God? And this is what God says. Well, um, God says this, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. The word there, amazed, is tama, which means alarmingly, no way, amazed. That means you're going to step back and go, what? 
No way. I can't believe it. You will be utterly amazed. You will not believe it. He goes on to say, for I'm going to do something in your days. You're going to see it. You're going to experience it that you would not believe even if you were told. He goes, but I'm going to tell you. Okay, here it is. You're not going to like it. He says, you want justice? Here it is. I am raising up the Babylonians. All right. Everybody say boo. Boo. All right. The Babylonians were some of the most hated people in the history of Israel. They were a country that had already wiped out their brothers and sisters in Judah. At this point, Israel had, had broken up into two countries. There was Israel and there was Judah. And they had already taken out Israel, rather, and, and Judah was next. And God was saying, he says, listen, um, the Babylonians, they're coming after you too. And I'm going to let them. And every time you hear the word Babylonians, they're thinking, boo, boo. But God says, um, that's who I'm using. All right. He says, I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. That means they steal from others, take over their homes, they ransack their way of life, uh, and they're coming your way. And he says, they are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves, and they promote their own honor. These are terrible people. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than the wolves at dusk. Their cavalry, that means their horse troops, they gallop headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. That means they're really sharp, very experienced. Very, uh, they're trained. They gather them from around the world. They fly in like a vulture. Some translations say eagle, swooping to devour. They all come bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. Ha, 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 that ain't nothing. By building earthen ramps, they capture them. They just climb right over the walls. And then they sweep past through that city like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. Here's what God says. He says, I hear you, Habakkuk. I love you. And I understand that the people are growing wicked. And for your own good, I'm going to judge them. I'm going to bring justice with evil people more evil than they are. Your enemies. I'm raising up an enemy who's more evil than you to destroy you. That's not a good message, right? That's like, God, where are you? And God's like, uh, well, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Put yourself in that story for a minute. Put yourself in the seat of Habakkuk talking to God. How would you respond? God says, it's going to get worse. You're like, what? No. I don't know. It would kind of make you maybe even more angry at God, right? More frustrated. Have, even have more questions. That's unfair. That's not right. I want you to write this down. Deeply committed believers can express simultaneous questions and faith at the same time. This is what we find with Habakkuk. He's madly in love with God. He expresses incredibly large amounts of faith in God. But yeah, he has a lot of questions and frustration. You can be both madly in love with God and have a deep faith and still have a lot of very deep questions. 
So it's okay to have the questions. Some of you are like, you're afraid to ask questions. You should ask the questions. It's part of the journey. I think of a, the example of Mark chapter 9, a father with a possessed son comes to uh, Jesus and he says, Jesus, can you do anything to help me? Can you do anything about this? Can you help? And Jesus was like, dude, man, uh, all things are possible if you'll just believe in me. And so Jesus asked this father, he says, do you believe in me? And this is what the father says. He says, I do believe, but help my unbelief. Right? It's like, I do believe, but with all that we're going through, Man, we prayed so much. We've gone to the doctors. We believe, but I, I'm, we're starting to doubt. God, we believe, but help my unbelief. Jesus allowed him to go through that dip to get him to that new season of intimacy. And God did touch his son. And this is what happens with Habakkuk. Look what happens. This is what Habakkuk says in verse 12. After God says it's going to get worse, this is what he says. He, he has simultaneous faith and a question. He says, oh, Lord, you, uh, are you not from everlasting? That means you are the faithful one who's in control. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's the name of God, Yahweh. That means creator of all, the I am, the one who is forever present, eternal, the king, the Lord of all, the mighty God from everlasting. He says, God, you are God, you're everlasting, you're faithful, you are good, I will trust in you. And he says, my God, my holy one, that means you're always right, you're always good, you have no evil in you, you have no evil intentions, you you cannot do evil and you cannot uh, uh, impart evil into other people's lives. And he says, we will not die. Meaning uh, some translations say you will not die. But either way, this is a statement of faith. Basically, he's saying, God, you're good. You're faithful. You're in control. And, and I know you're not going to wipe us off the planet. He goes, I see maybe that there's some justice here, but he goes on to say, I still don't like it. Because he says this, he questions God again in the second part of verse 12. He says, oh Lord, you've appointed them to execute judgment. Oh rock, talking about God who's strong and secure, you've ordained them to punish us. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You tolerate, you cannot tolerate wrong. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you allowing this to happen? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? So this was the fourth problem with uh, Habakkuk uh, is this, is that God, why do the wicked have such a good life? Not only are they, are they wicked, not only are you going to use them, but God, it seems like they're successful and everything they do is like, is like the golden Midas touch. How can you use such cruel people for your plan? He goes on to describe, he says, you have made uh, people like the fish in the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. He says, he says, God, you're like in the sea, there's like lawlessness and disorder in, is what he's saying. And he says, you've made the earth like that. You've made our country like that, the, or allowing it. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks and catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. He's talking about how the Babylonians are just going to scoop us up like fish out of the water. 
And he says, therefore he sacrifices, Babylon sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. That means he worships his work and he worships and finds confidence in his evil deeds. He's worshiping his evil actions. He says, God, these are people who not only are evil, but they're, they worship themselves and their false gods and their deities, and they're just going to scoop us up like fish. For it is by the net he lives in luxury, talking about Babylon, and enjoys the choicest food. He lives well, God. These are the wicked are succeeding. Is he to keep on emptying his net? Destroying nations without mercy? See, here's what you're going to find in this letter. This little letter. And we're going to take a look at them each week. Because chapter 1 is wondering. God, why? Why, why, why? And God's response is chapter 2. It's not going to be getting better. And so chapter 2 is all about Waiting. And waiting, and waiting, and waiting. And if you stick it out with God, you'll get to chapter 3, which is your worshiping. And that no matter what, no matter what you see, you're going to worship. Not because of what you see, but because you know him to be. So what do you do when you're in chapter 1? I'm going to end with this thought. We want to pray for you. Maybe you're in chapter 1 right now. What do you do? Do the Habakkuk. The Habakkuk is three simple steps. One, two, three, one, two. No, I'm just, it's a waltz. It's, a, it's three steps. The Habakkuk is a dance that includes, number one, recognizing the sovereignty of God. This is important because this says, God, you're good, you're faithful, you're in control. When you lose those three ingredients, then you're doomed Notice Habakkuk had all kinds of questions about God and for God and about the situation, but he always declared, God, you're good. God, you're faithful. God, you're in control. This is the sovereignty of God. You must recognize the sovereignty of God, his goodness. You must settle it. You must establish it. Then, you know, I remember when the day before I got these reports back, and, and then I had to go through a whole series of exams and, and tests. Uh, I remember uh, just praying that morning, feeling miserable before I knew what I had. And I said, God, whatever it is, I will follow you. No matter what happens, I will follow you. And I said, because God, I know you're good, you're faithful and in control. And I did a video blog of my whole cancer story and it's on uh, um, YouTube and, and uh, thousands of people followed and watched. And I always said every episode, God is good, God is faithful, God is in control. Because I can't control it, but I know God is in control. And, and, and I know he's good, and I know he's never going to let me go. He's faithful. So I just established that from the beginning. Recognize the sovereignty of God. And then number two and three is his name. You need to embrace God. No matter what happens, just hold on. Remember that, that, that embrace with, with, with Sam as an illustration earlier, just I'm holding on. And number three, wrestle with God. It's okay to wrestle with him. Ask questions. It's okay to have some struggle. It's okay to, to have some pushback. It's okay to, to have some, some anger and some frustration. But hold on and wrestle. 
Don't let go and just accuse and attack uh, and belittle and get angry at God and go back to where you started. Hold on and wrestle. Hold on and ask questions. Hold on tight. Don't let go. Habakkuk, hold on and wrestle. And if you do, I promise you that it will take you to a new place of intimacy. I can't promise you that things will get better, but I can promise you you'll get deeper and more intimate in a relationship with God. And I think in Hebrews 5, uh, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, He himself, the Lord himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear for what can man do to me. So this is not a nice, happy sitcom sermon. But it is life. And if you will hold on and wrestle and embrace God, you will find a place of intimacy that you never, ever imagined with God. And you might be here today wondering, well, just this whole thing just sounds unfair. This whole thing, God is just unfair. And I would agree with you. God is very, very unfair. Because fairness is getting what you deserve. And if I got what I deserved, and if you got what you deserved, it would be judgment. It'd be Damnation, it would be hell. Because I know what goes on in my mind, and you know what goes on in your mind, and you know the things that you've done and the actions that you have, have lived out, or the things you wish you could do that are just evil in your mind. You know, and if you got what you deserve, you would get judgment, but we get instead mercy, and we get grace, and that's the cross of Jesus Christ. So I'm glad God is not fair because he doesn't give me what I deserve. He gives me instead grace. He gives me mercy. He gives me salvation. And this is why was, why was God disciplining Israel and Judah so harshly? Because it's all about Jesus. They were the people that were to bring us the Messiah. And God was set on that Savior. So he had a, some serious discipline to prepare those people for the Messiah that would be born from their nation, Jesus, for our sake, because we don't deserve it. I may have the ushers come forward, and we're going to pray over the offering, and I'm going to play a video before we go. And, um, and if you need prayer today, uh, David Butler's going to be up here. Any of our life team leaders, Sam, if you could be up here for a while. I'll be up here for a while. If you need prayer today, maybe you're going through a hardship. Uh, maybe you're in chapter one and you just need some encouragement this morning. Um, we're going to be up front uh, ready to pray with you uh, for a while before second service starts. And, and um, let's pray over the offering. God, thank you for your faithfulness uh, in our church, in our life. And God, I thank you, Lord, that we are, um, God, called to make a difference in our community and, our, and in our world. And God, it's through the faithful giving of our, of our members and those that go to Living Way that allow us to just keep here, uh, keep your mission, and keep doing what you've called us to do, Father. And God, we thank you for that. Multiply it. God, you know what we have need of. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.